Let's, let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your being our God and a God that is gracious. For we need it. Merciful, for we need it. We'd ask that we would be a credit to your goodness. In your son's name, amen. I've been talking for a few days, maybe longer, both thinking on and talking to uh, people about complaining. One of my mother's favorite verses, do all things without grumbling or complaining, instantly springs to my mind when the word complaining comes up. But complaining, I've run into it in a variety of different circumstances. Recently, my eldest son, who, as you know, is a lawyer in Manhattan, I've chatted with him both in emails and um, and on the phone about the state of things. Okay, he's a lawyer in one of the skyscraper firms. His finger is on the pulse of the West. He lives in a gentrifying neighborhood in Jersey City. Everything is going up for him. And he is horrified at the state of the society. Horrified, just, yeah, you may have noticed that he got off Facebook this week. Because he just realized a basic stick a fork in it, it's done. The West is over. There's no saving it. Now he's looking at that from a Christian, a conservative inside the very liberal circumstance of New York. So we've been talking about this the state of things and how you just, and, and Christians or people interested in political science and all sorts of things like that, really want to see something done. And then they look at the options for the election and you want to shoot somebody, yourself maybe, it's that bad. So complaining. Seemed like an apt thing to pursue. And as I look at Psalm 55, that's what we're in. It's a teaching psalm to the choir master with stringed instruments, a mass skill of David. Now listen to his description of things in his first few verses. See if it brings anything to mind. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend to me and answer me. I am overcome by my trouble. I am distraught by the noise of the enemy because of the oppression of the wicked. For they bring trouble upon me. And in anger they cherish enmity against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me. And horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yea, I would wander afar, I would lodge in the wilderness, Selah. I would haste to find me a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. 
Destroy their plans, O Lord, confuse their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and mischief and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. Sounds like home. Sounds like the United States of America. Now, of course, I know when you're wandering around the farmer's market in Moscow, Idaho, with your, you know, uh, sustainable baggage, you, you, you carry your apricots and your cherries around in your canvas totes, and, and the sun is out, and life is good in Idaho. Well, that's sort of like the wilderness you would go to if you had the wings of a dove. And that's what Davis and Manisha struggle with. They're in the city the home of all this nastiness, and they just look at the western United States and if only we could fly away. If only we could afford to go there. This is something that every generation there is ample sin, calamity, bad people doing bad things. that you could start to sound off, give ear to my prayer, attend to me. I am distraught. So, we all know that things are bad enough to note. Right? You sit, you sit there going, it's pretty bad. And you say that to a friend who's a Christian, they go, oh yeah, really? People are looking at each other with suspicion because of their ability to support or not support particular political candidates because, my gosh, it's just awful. So now what? We've agreed that things are a mess. Now, those of us who are older remember Jimmy Carter. It can get worse. We've seen things in history that are a lot worse than America right now. You can go get in your car, fill it up with gas, and drive it all halfway over Montana this afternoon with nobody stopping you and asking you for your papers. You have freedom. But let's just be honest that there are things, there are things that are um, going bad. Not, not as they should be. Maybe it's just in your personal life. Maybe it's not in, you, you don't really care that much about political things. Maybe just your own economic future, your own circumstance has you beat up, hurt, troubled, terrified. You know that you want to say something. And when you say something, when you say something, it is a complaint. Okay? If you say something, you can't get around that. It's not that a complaint, we talked about this in drones yesterday, it's not that a complaint, it's in a sense, most of your prayers are complaints. Right? And this is how, attend to me and answer me, I'm overcome by my trouble. He even uses it later on. Verse 17, he jumped down there. Evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and moan. 
So if you say something, it becomes a complaint, right? You want to speak what you've recognized and you want to speak to be heard. Attend to be an answer made. And of course, in the complaint, what's the nature of a complaint? It's not just that you would vent, kind of a, a, a heat sink, a pressure, pressure relief valve for you. A complaint, back in the old days, before the internet and before you Yelp reviews and the like, there were things called complaint boxes. Maybe you've heard of them. In the back office of J.C. Penney's or something like that. Little thing with cards and a box and you'd say, I didn't like the service I got over at the socks department. You, you put it in the box and you, who knows? The, the benefit now is that part of our entertainment in the world is reading the complaints that everybody makes online about everything. And nothing, nothing is, nothing is sacred. I just read one. This it become its own news story. It was a, I think, a New York Times marriage announcement. Did anybody see this one? My heavens! I think if the United States took a vote right now as to whether that couple should be shot, it would pass. It was an awful, awful, awful self-absorbed wedding announcement. But then all the complaints. You know, maybe back in the day, remember when they, they'd have, you'd go to certain um, um, internet sales sites about somebody, the, the banana slicer, remember that one? And there were hundreds of comments on this banana slicer that were hilarious. Everybody gets to read the complaints. No problem being heard anymore. I wonder if anybody's listening. You could watch their standing uh, Nick uh, Rozier does internet uh, sales. I know Drew has done some of the same things. Maybe some of the others of you have. Part of the deal is that you are paying people to encourage reviews. Okay, you phone people up who order from you and give them a discount if they give you a review. It's that, you know, please say something. Start getting movement, response. We want to speak up about what we, if it's good, it would be, you know, honor. We're not concerned about honoring people because it just says always outdo one another in showing honor. We're wondering about complaining. Because when you say something, you want to be heard because you're announcing what changes need to be made. Ever? Maybe you may have complained once or twice in your life. Waiter, this fork is dirty. That's information, right? If the fork is dirty, big whoop. Well, actually, you want the fork to be exchanged for a clean fork. There's a presumption of action. Or at least that the action should be viewed as ought, whether they change it or not. Sometimes you complain just to your spouse about how it was at that restaurant. And nobody's there who could do anything about it. The wife doesn't cook there. You already left, you already tipped the waiter. But there's an oughtness that, that it, this should have been changed. I am speaking, I need to be heard. I've announced what changes ought to be made. 
But we have this concern, because even when I said to you at the beginning, or a few minutes ago, that it becomes a complaint, everyone knows the word complaint carries, well, negative qualities, right? Because of that verse I said at the beginning. And I have this Corinthians 10 passage here on the left-hand side, and the Philippians 2 passage. In Corinthians 10 it says, We must not put the Lord to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as a warning, but they were written down for our instruction, upon whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, that anyone who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. And so the grumbling of the Jews, what is different about the grumbling of the Jews before Moses and God in the wilderness, where God says, I've had it, and he destroys them. Kills a bunch of them. And David here in Psalm 55 going, ah, And then the Philippians 2 passage, it says, do all things without grumbling or questioning. Some texts say arguing and complaining. My mother's text. And of course, as a, you know, the, the, the Wilson boys were always sea lawyers. We're always trying to figure out, okay, because another verse was, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks after we had said something uniquely cruel to our sister. We're trying to figure out, how can I make this make me look good? It is not, it's natural for us. So we're, we're looking at, I've got David complaining in Psalm 55, he even admits that he's doing it. I have a complaint, and I'm registering the complaint. If you're someone who, let's just say, has a problem with complaining, You've probably all worked out what euphemisms you're going to use for it. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to help them out. They should be ready to listen. Anybody would want to know what was wrong with the, you know, their, their dishware not being washed correctly. Everyone wants to know what's wrong. I would want to know. You've got all sorts of excuses or ways of going about it. But let's just assume that the problems are real, like David's problems. I mean, in a big picture, your whole society, hell in a handbasket. And you're before the Lord going, Lord, listen to me about this. And it just gets worse. Look at this next bit. Verse 12. It is not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. If it were just the atheistic, secular humanists, you know, out there... It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to hold sweet converse together within God's house. We walked in fellowship. It's gotten bad for David. It's not just them, they, the Philistines, the ungodly, the unbelievers. It's the guy you've spent days in fellowship with, talking the things of God. And then you found out it was all fake. Or 
he has stepped into this arena of the wrong. He has supported unbelievably bad. Where it, it, it comes in, the complaint becomes inflamed because it hurts you. Not just, oh, I'm an American citizen and the bad things are happening. They're letting transsexuals in the bathrooms at Target. I have never been in a bathroom of Target. I don't plan to go in one. But it's going to be the boys' bathroom if I do. Those are the concerns we have for our society. But you know it steps it up a notch when the pain of it, when the pain of disbelief, the pain of misbehavior that happens to a believer that you shared great fellowship with. My equal, my companion, my familiar friend. People I went to the temple with and talked of the things of God with. This could be anything in the evangelical church, but you get to realize that you're, you're standing even more alone you read any kind of modern Christian material and it's updating you on what's going on in the world, whether it's Christianity Today or something like that, or, or reading current books that are selling gazillions, and you watch evangelical ministries, famous people, not just fall into gross sin, but support it. Let death come upon them. Let them go down to Sheol alive. Let them go away in terror into their graves. Now, I'm just trying to point out to you, there are causes for complaint in this world and in David's. There are degrees of pain that you want to speak and you want to be heard and you want to have changed that no one will deny is a real problem that you see being spoken up. But we also know that these other passages exist that tell us, watch out, that he who thinks he stand, take heed lest he fall, just because you're a Pharisee about it, just because you're all up in everybody else's business. Because remember, the complainers always have a good argument for their complaint. You always think it needs to be said when you're the one saying it. So how do we tell the difference? When am I David? And when am I the Jews worthy of destruction? How do I know that I'm... You probably all know when you see it in someone else. You've probably noticed that one of the collapses of the society that we're going to complain about is the rearing of children, which by the way, we have a child rearing seminar coming up. Did we agree on how much it was going to cost? Leslie? Um, no, but we could just say. I could say 20 bucks. How about 20 bucks? Because we got some support from the outside that are going to help us pay for materials and so you don't have to dish out as much, 20 bucks per couple, and uh, it's the 5th and 6th of August, but we'll have some literature out on it. Um,
What was I saying? It's about kids. Child rearing. Okay. Have you ever heard a kid complain? I mean, and there are kinds of complaints, right? And that's what we're concerned with. What are the kinds of complaints? Mom, my shoes are untied. Or I can't reach the, the nest quick. Mom, can you get the nest quick down? I can't reach the nest quick. There's a complaint, right? I can't. This is wrong with the universe. I'm not tall. You're tall. Uh, I am voicing this. There are some kids in our neighborhood, though. My heavens. Father is spoken of by his first name. The child is five. Speaks of the father this way, and it is a demand. And I was taking my dad up out yesterday, and, and as I was getting him into the car, a woman had walked by with her child. The child decided that things were worth complaining about, whatever it was, I have no idea, was just howling, just howling. And so they had stopped, the kid was probably one and a half. But the tone of voice, she was speaking to be heard, wanted to be heard, wanted something corrected, and by the time it was over, the screaming was done. The child was on its face, on the concrete, just howling. Hilarious. Finally got what it wanted. But what's the difference? What's the difference? We have to realize there are a few things that come to... Uh, need to be answered when we're dealing with this. And you need to listen to yourself complain because we're granting that you've got a complaint and that some complaints are good. They're called prayers. But you don't want to become a complainer. In other words, that this is how you're being viewed as someone who is always putting their oar in. Well, that was lousy. Why don't they fix this? Why don't they fix that? Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? Listen to yourself. Are you the kid who makes a thing known that they are appealing to mother to fix because there is obvious in the tone of voice of the right child that things are wrong, but they know mom's in charge. Versus the child, things are wrong, I'm in charge, and the mother needs to be told. There is a statement here in verse 16, but I call upon God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he will hear my voice. In the midst of the complaint, one, you, when you take it to God, instead of your BS session with your friends about the state of the society, where nobody can do anything, so the, the complaints just keep getting louder and louder, as if 
It's just the world, if they heard my reasoning, if they called me up at the end of drones every Saturday, the president or something, and said, what do I need to do? Well, uh, president, uh, the drones have decided that we don't know what we're talking about. We need to take it to God. One of the benefits of taking things to God is it's really hard, though people do it, it's really hard for you to think too highly of yourself in that exchange. You're not talking to your friends or of the president or to your people you're complaining to or even the police, you call them up and make a complaint. I'm registering a complaint. It's very easy for us to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Because our God, he will deliver my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old, because they keep no law and do not fear God, Selah. Now, what I noticed there, I even put it on Facebook this morning because I was so inspired, which means that nobody will understand what I said, so I better explain it to you. I made a comment that the complainers, when the complaint comes out, the wrong kind of complainer, it's a voice that you give, it's a spoken thing, it's a, it's a here, it's a faint fanfare of someone being enthroned on a tiny throne. That's what, you know how kings of old, the kettle drums are going and the trumpets are blaring and the king walks in, everyone stands and there's a glorious throne and a dais and the king. There's a little tiny throne in your life and your statements are like the fanfare that you give to your enthronement when it's wrong. David has the view that God who listens is the one enthroned. It is God's law they keep. You must never think it is your law you keep, they keep, or they ought to have kept. I know that your views are completely right and just in everything you affirm, but God's the one on the throne. A child who remembers the parents are the ones on the throne. When you speak, you speak with humility. It says, my companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smoother than butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Yes, you can make complaint. You must know who's in charge here. And if ever that sense of being in charge because you recognize the wrong and you spoke of it, that doesn't put, make you in charge. You need to realize, like every man, you are a humble agent. You are a low person. That God has graciously decided to save and love and do good things for. And that's why you cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. You believe that there's an oughtness to be done, but your heart and your voice, it's speaking with humility regarding it. 
It's one of the hardest things to recognize adequately or teach. It's hard to teach children. Have you taught them humility? There's so much. Everybody, I want to encourage my kids. Your kid is, you know, really on a scale from 1 to 10, probably a 6, frankly. Looks, maybe in good lighting, 7. But no, parents, always, forever, encouraging. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, you didn't teach the kid humility. Nobody knows that they're not all that. You love them, but just see what's wrong. We need to have learned, if we didn't learn it growing up, we need to learn now that when we see the wrong, it's not just this recreational time of, you know, saying bad things about stuff. You can be destroying who you are. You can be destroying the real righteousness God wants out of us because we don't, we think too highly of ourselves that just me expressing what's wrong ought to get it taken care of. Now I have that, that portion that says do all things without grumbling or complaining. I took it right out of context and put it up there in the middle of the page. At the bottom there, Philippians 2, starting with verse 3, is the context. And I want you to look at what's happening. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. That you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Look at that. Comes up to the same information that David has come up to. Fear and trembling crooked, perverse generation. And not only that, but the ability to see it's a crooked, perverse generation, the ability to see that you stand there in fear and trembling, but because of the therefore regarding what Christian living is like, no conceit, humility count, be like Jesus, who did not count, he made himself humble, that's what I'm supposed to have the mindfulness like. 
and to shine like lights in the world instead of stamping your foot and throwing yourself like a fat little one and a half year old on the sidewalk screaming for its mother to do something now. Why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't the nation do something? Why doesn't the church do something? Why don't you do something? All these demands of the power empowered self making a complaint versus someone who sees what's wrong but sees their own humility and sees the task of the voice of humility, you can say the things that are wrong in the world, but when your heart is humble, you shine more as a light to the world than you do when you're a, a loud Pharisee. Because we're holding, verse 16, holding fast to the word of life. So in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Too often, you will find, if you're a complainer of the bad sort, where you're in charge or you believe that you, having said something, at least has to be considered enough in charge that everybody else will do it. Well, I'm not in charge, but as soon as I gave my reasons for what I said was wrong, you want to be some in charge. You want your idea to be in charge. You want your decision to be in charge. Many times it doesn't happen. The world goes from bad to worse. We get to rejoice in these things because it doesn't matter that if it changes or not, God judges the righteous and the unrighteous. I don't have to fix it. You can't fix it. Those of you who think you can fix the world, God help you. You're going to be miserable. You can recognize what's wrong. You can recognize it humbly. You can rejoice in God and Christ because he will sustain you. He will not permit the righteous to be moved. But thou, O God, wilt cast them down into the lowest pit. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. There is a voice in that I will trust in thee. If you complain to someone and you can't give them that, your complaint is the voice of a conceit. If you can't give them, you might say, oh, I just wanted to let you know so you could handle it. Well, if the waiter does not bring a clean fork back to you, is your complaint suddenly much louder in yourself or in the car home with your wife. I can't believe they didn't do exactly what I said and thought they ought to have done immediately upon me telling them. You didn't trust them. You didn't give it to them. You wanted to be to that degree in charge. And I, I think the restaurant owes you a clean fork. I think that's the nature of the contract. But your heart, how it functions, you don't want to develop the assessing in charge viewpoint where you're not humble because you want to be able to lift up your prayers, make let the king know, let the master know, let your parents know without you stamping a petulant little foot and saying, I must be served. That's what the grumbling in the wilderness was like. Why are you taking a while? We should have been 
They wanted to be in charge. They, matter of fact, it came out like that. Who made you in charge, Moses? And God said, uh, I did. Why don't some of you die? And they did. People have a hard time learning this. Since the major sin of man is the nature of self challenging the will of God. That's it. So this is a, your, our temptation to complain and grumble is going to be measured in how you're viewing you. How you're viewing your insight into the wrong of things. Let's watch out for it. We don't want to be overcome by trouble. We want to express our trouble righteously. In your son's name, let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're thank thankful for all that you've done. We face troubles. We have to learn to trust you. We have to learn that you are Lord. You'll not give us up to wickedness. We ask that you would be hearing our troubles when we speak them, that we would bring them to you humbly, that we would not wander through life constantly seizing power over circumstances with our objections. Make us good people, Lord. Make us humble people. In your son's name we pray. Amen.